I'm Julia Gerlach. Welcome to this episode of the Strip Till Farmer podcast series. I encourage you to subscribe to the series, which is available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about upcoming episodes as soon as they're released. For farmers curious about the benefits of reducing their tillage practices, custom strip till can be an efficient and affordable entry point. For farmers already building strips every year, it can be a viable business opportunity. As a custom strip tiller, Kentland, Indiana farmer Jesse Stoller knows all the ins and outs and has crunched the numbers for his upcoming presentation at the 2021 National Strip Tillage Conference on August 5th and 6th in Omaha, Nebraska. For this episode of the Strip Till Farmer podcast, we caught up with Jesse to get a few highlights from his presentation, as well as some additional insights into effective strip till practices that he's learned while honing his craft. Join us as Jesse discusses his approach to building berms that won't wash away, equipment considerations that give him seasonal flexibility, why he takes slow motion video of his strip till rig in action, and more. So, Jesse, would love to hear a little bit about your background. Thanks, Julia. Yeah, so I guess this all started back. So, on the family farm, we started strip tilling back in 2014 time frame. So I've been doing a custom strip till operation here for three years now, full time. And the demand for the custom option around here has grown dramatically. So that's been uh, that's been interesting to see. So the talk that I'm going to be having here in Omaha this year, I'm going to be going through some small details to start out just as far as some things to think about as a custom operator. Uh, for the guys that are considering getting into the custom business, some considerations that they should be thinking about. And yeah, then I'm going to be getting into the numbers. And those numbers are going to be from both perspectives, one from the custom operator's perspective and then the other from the farmers, so that obviously both parties can be profitable in doing what we're doing. And uh, so that there can be an understanding for those that are looking into getting the custom business, what they should be you know, thinking about on the numbers end, and then also the considerations that the farmer should be having on, you know, the profitability um, of choosing a custom operator instead of, you know, trying to do it themselves. So that's going to be, you know, the main focus of the discussion in Omaha. Okay, great. And so I I believe in your talk, you talk about, especially for guys who are interested in getting into the custom side of things, you talk about the need for really making sure your equipment is versatile for going both in the fall and the spring. Can you just talk about that a little bit more in terms of the equipment? What are you looking for that's going to enable that versatility? So having the versatility as a custom operator is, is, is a very big deal. And, you know, the ability to go from, you know, in this fall or the spring, that is huge just to spread your risk window out. And, uh, you know, so if you can't get across the acres like you would like to in the fall because of weather, that you can try to recover some of those in the spring. And it's important that you can choose a tool that'll do a, a, a good job in both scenarios. I, I personally run Dawn Pluribus Gen 5 units, and those are, those are a Coulter style unit. And uh, I have been able to consistently do a, a good job in both scenarios. And uh, another thing, too, to consider is making sure that whatever row unit that you choose, you can do some easy adjustments to, again, be versatile in different soil conditions, soil types, possibly in cover crops. One thing as a custom operator, you're going behind a lot of different management practices 
So you'll be dealing with a lot of differences in, in residue and obviously the cover crops along with, you know, covering a larger area geographically, you're going to be covering a lot more variation of soil type and slope and all those type of things. So just be able to be flexible is, is huge in this business. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you talked about having the Don Pluribus. What do you like about that particular unit? So the Don Pluribus unit is it's a triple Coulter system. And the one thing that I have noticed with Coulter systems in general is a lot of them run straight Coulters. They don't have any angle to them. Mm-hmm. And I cannot, you know, in, in this area, the, our soil gets really hard and it's hard to penetrate with a, with a straight running Coulter versus the Dawn Pluribus has, has a, a decent amount of pitch to it that helps to suck the row unit into the ground in hard conditions. So I do like that about the row unit. They also have some really advanced technologies on this, on this row unit that's been really, really helpful. So it does have individual hydraulic down pressure control on each row unit, which is uh, extremely advanced in this industry. And then also the hydraulically controlled row cleaners as well. So you can adjust those on the, on the fly. And uh, in general, it's just a well-built unit. I'm on my second set of row units. The first yeah. row unit that, that I had, I think I ran about 20,000 acres, you know, across with those units. And then I uh, just got new ones here before this past spring, but just a well-built unit, you know, good bearings, you know, just quality components, easily adjusted, uh, you know, depth, and all those things are, are easily adjustable. You know, you can set it pretty quickly for the different conditions you, you get into. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so mm-hmm. with the hydraulically controlled down pressure in row units, so is that a situation where there are sensors that are reading organic matter, or is it more they're just reacting to the pressure of the ground? Yeah, so it's basically just reacting. There are sensors that, that basically measure uh, the amount of force that's being carried by the gauge wheels. So it's very similar to the planter down pressure control systems that are out there. Mm-hmm. But so it basically enables the, the machine to adjust row to row for variations of soil densities, whether that be from differences of, of moisture levels or if you're running into like a combine track or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, it can on, on those individual row units, they can put more down pressure to keep the depth the same and uniform across the tool. Now, another thing that I know you mentioned in your presentation is you talk about getting to know your machine and doing some slow-mo video. I thought that was just a really neat Mm -hmm. idea. So I wanted to ask you about how you set that up, what sort of equipment you're using to do that video, and what sort of things do you guys need to consider if they're interested in doing that? (laughs) Not a lot of equipment involved, just an iPhone. So. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> so just... nothing, nothing, nothing fancy. I mean, obviously you can get a lot fancier, um, sure. you know, than what I do, but you know, it's more just, you know, being able to have somebody follow you or even ride on the machine to just watch the soil flow through the machine. So you kind of get to understand what's really going on back there. And then also how the residue is flowing through the machine to understand at different down pressures on your, on your row units you know, what's, what's really going on back there, how much dirt are you moving with the row units, all those things. Mm-hmm. And getting out, you know, there's a reason that there's doors on a tractor cab, you know, use them, get out, <laughs> dig in the strips and get to understand that, you know, in the wetter conditions, what does it look like under the berm? Is the berm the same as far as the width, uh, the height, the consistency, or even like the actual air pockets underneath, you know, just dig in, the, dig in that strip and get to understand 
you know, what kind of job you're doing out there in different soil conditions and different soil types. I mean, I spent a lot of time out digging and um, thinking. And I mean, now that I've done it for a few years with the same, with the same equipment, I, I understand a lot more what I need to do mm-hmm. in all those uh, different conditions. But when you're getting started, spend the time and get out and dig. Why does the amount of dirt moving through the machine matter? What is that telling you? So for me, one challenge that is probably unique to the pluribus unit is the fact that the, the pluribus has one blade is, is, is ahead, situated ahead of the other okay. so that the, the soil comes through. And it, if you're going at certain speeds, it can leave more dirt on one side of the strip than the other. So understanding how that dirt is moving through the the unit and how it's being centered on the strip at different speeds, at the different pitch settings of your toolbar, all those things, you know, is important. And, uh, you know, another unique thing about this row, the the pluribus row unit is they have the the tines in the back that do a lot of the pulverizing and the berm shaping. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of understand at what speed you need to be to do a good job with those, you really can't. It's, it's, it's hard to tell unless you're back there and watching it. And so how many acres does it take for a guy to get comfortable with understanding how a piece of machinery is working for him? <laughs> it's probably not as much acres as it is just getting into a lot of different conditions. Okay. Um, if you know what I mean, just uh, it, it kind of so happened to be that I started in the spring of 2019, which was extremely wet. And I got kind of thrown into some very challenging situations right off, right from the get-go. So um, 2019 was a crazy year for weather, especially by you yeah. guys. It was so wet, right? Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. So, yeah, I, I think I started I'm trying to think maybe like the 20th of April, but I know I didn't finish until the 7th of June. So, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> it was a long, drawn-out spring. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow. So... I don't know. I guess I, I'm just wondering, were there any sort of aha moments as you were learning about strip till that you think, wow, I wish I'd known this from the beginning? There were definitely a lot of lessons learned. I think the advantage of custom strip till in general, mm-hmm. there were some advantages that I, I knew, but I didn't understand the quite the level of importance they had for my clients. And I know that I do cover these in my in my talk mm-hmm. in, in Omaha as well. But some of those are things like guys that their labor needs in the fall are so high that they just simply don't have the manpower to cover the strip tillage operation. But the one, the one thing that probably was the, something that I hadn't thought about completely before I started was how advantageous it is for the farmer to be able to hire a custom strip tiller just to come in and give them the ability to try it mm-hmm. on their own farm so they can plant behind it. They can just experience it for themselves. And then also to be able to have that flexibility to say, you know, you know what, I think I'll do 500 next year. You know, I'm going to do 1200 the next year. And then I'll, well, you know what, I got a lot of, a lot of farms that I tile that I'm going to have to work. So I'm going to back that off back to about 500. So just being able to fluctuate your, your, your acres year to year and having that flexibility without worrying about overhead and, you know, return on that overhead that's been, it's, it's, it's a big advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it seems like it would be a huge benefit to just be able to say, you know, I'd love to try strip till. I don't want to invest in all that machinery. Let me just hire this guy to give it a try, see how it goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So 
I don't want to give away too much about what you're talking about in your in your presentation at the conference. I did just want to ask you about the conference itself. I know you've been to the conference a couple of times, so just wanted to ask you what your impression is and what keeps you coming back to it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I tell you one thing that I appreciate the most is the fact that there's just a lot of farmers, a lot of operators there that have a lot of experience. So it's just being able to share experiences uh, with each other, you know, share some lessons learned and just, just get some ideas. Most guys come to the conference with um, kind of a list in their head of things they really want to want to learn about, you know, which is great. Most of the guys that are there, they're there to learn. So there's just a lot of, you know, strong interest and, you know, guys are into it, really into it, right? And so it's it's exciting. It's a very proactive, exciting environment and uh, it's a great place to get some really helpful information and, you know, from the experience of, of others. So, yeah, yeah I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I know your session is going to be really interesting because I happen to have gotten a sneak peek. And I, I think the the numbers behind the custom strip till is really interesting. I think guys are going to be really, they're going to have their eyes opened about how much it costs per acre based on your, you know, equipment choices and based on the acreage and all of that. I think that's going to be really interesting. But I'd like to just shift gears a little bit and ask you a few other questions that aren't directly related to your conference pre- presentation. So, you know, one of the most common reasons that farmers will switch to strip till, of course, is to get control of erosion. So what's been your experience with uh, dealing with erosion and how has strip till helped? Well, so first of all, I would say erosion is more probably one of the biggest challenges (laughs) of strip till. Mm -hmm. So as guys get into strip till, maybe this is something that they didn't quite realize from the, from the beginning, what, you know, that, that this would be a challenge for them. Obviously, the guys that are running on any slope at all, they live and breathe controlling erosion. It doesn't matter what system they're running. You know, they've grown up farming in this environment. They understand that erosion is a very big deal. So, for example, you know, I've got my wife grew up in uh, northwestern Iowa where there's some a lot more slope than what we have around here. So the guys out there understand erosion control much better than the guys around here. They're out there, they do, than the guys around here. So... <laughs> so they're they're doing a lot of terracing out there. There's not a lot of straight roads, so it's just a whole different uh, whole different ball game. But I would say erosion control for strip till is is probably the biggest hurdle because you're basically creating channels, okay, in the soil that water will will seek the the path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're taking those strips directly down a slope. The water is basically basically going to penetrate those those strips, and it'll create a higher saturation in that strip than next to it, which will eventually carry that dirt and and make everything start to run. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is the biggest challenge that I have seen in strip till in general. Mm-hmm. So that is another reason why I actually went to the road unit that I did because I felt that I could do a, a very good job and not go so deep. In those situations, as in a, in, a, in a shank situation, you have to go deeper. Mm-hmm. And basically, when you do that, you're basically increasing the risk of, of erosion. And so, when you're when we're thinking about erosion here, there's there's a lot of so there's a lot of things to think about. But the one thing to to consider is you know understand what's underneath the berm. 
So when you go through there with a shank and you're lifting, uh, you're probably going to be leaving a, a fair amount of air pocket underneath, depending on your soil type and, and structure. But those air pockets will basically become saturated with water then. Okay, so that is where I feel that there's there's some real risk of full strips being washed out. I've seen that in the past, even around here, where we have a fairly flat environment, considering, you know, in, in comparison to a lot of areas. So, you know, to be able to understand, you know, the challenge there, work shallower, you know, where you have that risk, obviously try to not ever go straight down the hill, <laughs> you know, try to go across the hills, mm-hmm. you know, change your, change your road directions if you need to, and then maybe incorporate some cover crops if you can, but I don't care. I don't care what you do. You're always going to have a risk window. So just understanding that and trying to narrow that risk window the best you can. I know in this area, you know, the, the riskier uh, ground, we will try to save for the spring so that I can run, the planter can run right behind me and take the air out of that strip to try to help not allow that strip to get saturated so quickly and to be able to, to run. There's still a risk window, but we're trying to minimize it as best we can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, there's always going to be that risk. It's just trying to manage it the best that you can. Yeah. And there are some farms in this area, even down south, where we get a lot of slope that I'll even tell guys, you know what, strip till might not be the best option here. You know, you might want to try no-till in this farm. So mm-hmm. always make sure that you're keeping first things first, okay? You just can't let erosion happen. And so if that means not strip tilling a farm, so be it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's definitely the definitely the biggest challenge I've seen. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And so so you're talking about in particular where you are, it's been very wet. Are, do you think that it's different, you know, out west, for instance, where where guys are just a lot drier? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the climate is definitely different in di- different parts of the country here, but. Everybody is still at risk for big rain events. Here, I think probably one of the, one of the uh, things that may be more unique to our region in general is in the wintertime, we actually get a lot of rain, whereas a lot of areas will get it in snow. So, you know, our risk window, I would say, is, is, is bigger than what it would be up north where they normally get it in snow. Mm-hmm. We'll get it in rain. And there are times when we can get huge rain events you know, that time of year. So yeah, we definitely, definitely deal with it more than some might in that time of year. Yeah. Okay. And so I was out there doing, doing strips or, you know, hired somebody to do strips and he wants to feel confident that there's going to be less, less erosion. What, what sort of things is he looking for when he's looking at those strips? So one thing that I have noticed, and this has been a, this has been a, a learning experience for me, over over time and and I'm 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 sure I'm going to continue to learn more and more in the future as well but I would say having air in the strip is not a good thing when it comes to erosion because it's really not rocket science you know a lot of guys will see the big berm in the fall really really tall wide berm and they're thinking man that's perfect beautiful you know? yeah <laughs> well what I just want to stress is that you go out there and you dig. You dig down in the strip and you make sure that that berm is contained directly on top of that strip and that the, the, the dirt is not outside of the strip underneath. Mm-hmm. 
so that when it settles over winter, that there's not a an inversion going on there. So, and then like I was talking earlier, you know, those air pockets underneath that fill up with water, and the saturation level will get to a certain point where a strip will actually wash out. Now, this is not a surface erosion. This is actually gully erosion going on from the bottom of the strip up. Mm-hmm. This is where you'll get strips wash out the entire depth of the strip, and I've seen it mm-hmm. even around here. And uh, that's where you can get some serious damage done to a farm in a short amount of time. So just um, getting out there for the guys and explaining to them, the strip may be a little shorter than what some strips might look, or the berm might be a little shorter than what some might leave in the fall, but getting them to understand that there's also less air because we're pounding the air out of it a lot more than some will so that it won't settle near as much either over winter. So um, trying to get everybody, you know, understanding what's going on there and the reasons why, you know, we're trying to, trying to do that. Okay. And so on your end, when, what sort of equipment adjustments are you doing in order to sort of change the shape of that berm to get the air out? On the pluribus, you know, it, it naturally does a nice job because of the, the tines in the back. Basically, it's, it's pulverizing the soil really well, which is uh, basically, you know, the, the smaller the soil particles or the, the soil structure you can, you can have to place back on top of that strip the less air pockets you're going to have. And then it basically is just uh, pushing down on that berm, shaping it as it does it. So uh, basically forcing the air out of that strip. I mean, a lot of rolling baskets will do the same thing. You know, I know there's another company that I've seen, a new company, AgGuru from Central Illinois. I, I'm really excited about a, the, the finishing attachment they have on the back of their row units. And it, it's basically doing the same thing. It's, it's, basically pounding that air out of the out of the strip and and leaving it uh, so that it's not so tall and it's basically not leaving those air pockets underneath. So okay. I do like to look at that. And then what about residue management? What what's important about residue management for strip till? So first of all, when you're in the custom world, it's you're basically running behind different management practices. So the the level of residue is going to be different from field to field sure. a lot of times. So being able to have a residue manager or a, a row cleaner that is easily adjustable is huge for me. And then obviously, you know, we're dealing with cover crops versus not. We're dealing with corn on corn situations. And, and then we're also dealing with spread patterns behind the combines. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement is to all farmers is pay attention to your spread pattern behind the combine. Make sure you're spreading that residue across the full width of the machine you know, if possible, chopping the bean stubble or the, the bean straw down to the point where you're not having the long stem back there just makes it a lot nicer for the row cleaners to be able to handle. And then, you know, on, on corn on corn, that has become more and more of an issue as these corn yields have gotten higher. Basically, the amount of residue left behind is more. So you're dealing with situations where, and, and my experience has been, going corn on corn. I don't do a lot of it in the fall just because the amount of residue is so high that I normally do do all of my corn on corn stuff in the spring just to allow that residue to break down over winter. And I know some guys are using some different melting agents is what I kind of like to refer them as. I mean, some are like a nitrogen or, or biologicals mm-hmm. that they apply on that residue to help break it down. 
But, you know, I would encourage guys to leave the stalks rooted in place and basically place your strips in between. That's been what I have found to be the best, you know, give you the best fighting chance to do a really nice job with the strips. Mm-hmm. So what do you like about that particular arrangement? So, so yeah, I mean, basically it, it, it doesn't allow the, you know, when the, when the stalk is, is uh, still rooted in place, it basically helps feed the rest of the residue through the row unit. Otherwise, you know, sometimes you can have situations where you start bunching up between the row units, you know, plugging up with trash. And it's, you know, this just kind of helps keep things flowing through. It also helps with wind, you know, around here in the spring, you know, a lot of times we'll see fence rows just completely covered up with stalks. And especially when skies will run like a vertical tillage tool through them to loosen them up. And it's just, you know, you don't want to see that, you know, you don't want to see the wind blowing them like that. Mm. So it helps with that, helps with water as far as, um, you know, keeping them in place in the event of a lot of rain as well. So yeah, that's, that's been the advantages that I've seen. Yeah. Okay. And so just real quick, you are also farming your own acres, correct? Well, actually, I'm not. Uh, oh, now I'm pretty much in the custom world um, full-time, 100% now. So I, oh. I don't really have time to <laughs> be okay. farming my own stuff anymore. So That was what yeah. my question was going to be, is how do you fit in your own operation? <laughs> no, nope. Yep. Okay. Well, and that's, that's you know, when you're, when you're doing the custom work, I mean, you know, obviously it uh, aligns pretty well with the busy season of, of the uh, spring and fall of the farm as well. So just yeah. to be able to be focused, I guess, and uh, committed to the custom operation is, is very important. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You've got uh, some really good insights to share. So I really appreciate it and um, looking forward to the conference. Hey, same here, Julia. Thank you. Thanks to Jesse Stoller for this informative sneak peek into his upcoming presentation on custom strip tilling, which will be featured in Omaha, Nebraska at the 2021 National Strip Tillage Conference on August 5th and 6th. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lessitermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. Once again, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or the Google Play Store to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. For Jesse Stoller and our entire staff here at Strip Till Farmer, I'm Julia Gerlach. Thank you for tuning in.